Welcome to Quantum Magazine Science Podcast. Each week, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. This week, chemically active droplets may have evolved into the first cells. A team of scientists has found a simple mechanism that might have enabled liquid droplets to evolve into living cells on early Earth. Origin of Life researchers have praised the minimalism of the idea. Ramin Golastanian, a professor of theoretical physics at Oxford, calls it a big achievement. He says it suggests that life might arise a lot more easily than we thought. The central question about the origin of life has been how the first cells arose from primitive forerunners. What were those forerunners called protocells, and how did they come alive? Backers of the membrane-first hypothesis argue that a fatty acid membrane was needed to corral the chemicals of life and incubate biological complexity. But how could something as complex as a membrane start to self-replicate and reproduce, allowing evolution to act on it? Alexander Aparin was the Russian biochemist who first pictured the primordial soup as the source of life's humble beginnings. In 1924, he proposed that the mystery protocells might have been liquid droplets. These are naturally forming membrane-free containers that concentrate chemicals and, in that way, promote reactions. In recent years, biologists have discovered that droplets perform a range of essential functions inside modern cells, reviving Aparin's long-forgotten speculation about their role in evolutionary history, but neither he nor anyone else could explain how droplets might have reproduced and evolved into the first cells. New work by David Zwicka suggests an answer. He worked with collaborators at two Max Planck institutes in Dresden, Germany. The scientists study the physics of chemically active droplets, which cycle chemicals in and out of their surrounding fluid. They discovered that these droplets tend to grow to cell size and divide, just like cells. This active droplet behavior differs from the passive and more familiar behavior of oil droplets in water. Those clump together into bigger and bigger droplets without ever dividing. Frank Ulisher is a biophysicist in Dresden and a co-author of the new study. If chemically active droplets can grow to a set size and divide of their own accord, he says, it makes it more plausible that there could have been spontaneous emergence of life from the primordial soup. The findings paint a possible picture of life's start by explaining how cells made daughters, says Vika, a postdoc at Harvard. Luca Giomi, a theoretical biophysicist at Leiden University in the Netherlands, studies the possible physical mechanisms behind the origin of life. He says the new proposal is much simpler than other proposed mechanisms of protocell division. Giomi thinks it's going in a very promising direction. David Diemer, a biochemist at UC Santa Cruz, is a longtime champion of the competing membrane-first hypothesis. He argues that while the newfound mechanism of droplet division is interesting, it's relevant to the origin of life remains to be seen. He notes that the mechanism is a far cry from the complicated, multi-step process modern cells use to divide. Could simple dividing droplets have evolved into today's wide variety of life from amoebas to zebras? Physicists and biologists familiar with the new work say it's plausible. Experiments are now underway in Dresden to try to observe the growth and division of active droplets made of synthetic polymers that are modeled after the droplets found in living cells. After that, the scientists hope to observe biological droplets dividing in the same way. 
Clifford Branwen, a biophysicist at Princeton, was part of the Dresden-based team that first identified droplets performing functions inside cells eight years ago. He explains that it would not be surprising if these subcellular droplets were remains of evolutionary history. Organelles, called mitochondria, came from ancient bacteria that infected cells and developed a symbiotic relationship with them. Similarly, Branwen says the condensed liquid phases seen in living cells today might reflect a sort of fossil record of the physiochemical driving forces that helped us set up cells in the first place. He says this new study takes that idea to the next level by revealing the features that droplets would have needed to play a role as protocells. The Dresden droplet discoveries began in 2009. That was when Branwen decoded the nature of little dots known as pea granules found in the germline cells of the worm C. elegans. Germline cells divide into sperm and egg cells. During this division process, the researchers observed that pea granules grow, shrink, and move across the cells by way of diffusion. The discovery that they are liquid droplets prompted a wave of activity as other subcellular structures were also identified as droplets. It didn't take long for Branwen and Tony Hyman, head of the Dresden Biology Lab, to make the connection to Aparin's 1924 protocell theory. Aparin most famously hypothesized that lightning strikes or geothermal activity on Earth could have triggered the synthesis of organic macromolecules necessary for life. This hypothesis was confirmed in the 1950s. Aparin's other idea that liquid aggregates of these macromolecules might have served as protocells was less celebrated. This was in part because he had no clue how the droplets might have reproduced, enabling evolution. The Dresden group studying pea granules didn't know either. In the wake of their discovery, Ulisher assigned his new student, Zvika, the task of unraveling the physics of centrosomes. Centrosomes are organelles involved in animal cell division that also seem to behave like droplets. Zvika modeled the centrosomes as out-of-equilibrium systems that are chemically active. They continuously cycle constituent proteins into and out of the surrounding liquid cytoplasm. In his model, these proteins have two chemical states. Proteins in state A dissolve in the surrounding liquid. Proteins in state B are insoluble, aggregating inside a droplet. Sometimes, proteins in state B spontaneously switch to state A and flow out of the droplet. An energy source can trigger the reverse reaction, causing a protein in state A to overcome a chemical barrier and transform into state B. When this insoluble protein bumps into a droplet, it slinks easily inside like a raindrop in a puddle. The upshot is that as long as there's an energy source, molecules flow in and out of an active droplet. In the context of early Earth, Ulisher says sunlight would be the driving force. Zwicka discovered that this chemical inflow and outflow will exactly counterbalance each other when an active droplet reaches a certain volume, causing the droplet to stop growing. Typical droplets in Zwicka simulations grew to exactly the scale of cells. The next discovery was even more unexpected. Although active droplets have a stable size, Zwicka found that they're unstable with respect to shape. When a surplus of B molecules enters a droplet on one part of its surface, the droplet bulges slightly in that direction. The extra surface area from the bulging accelerates the droplet's growth as more molecules can diffuse inside. 
The droplet lengthens and pinches in at the middle, which has low surface area. Eventually, it splits into a pair of droplets, which then grow to a characteristic size. When Ulisher saw simulations of Zwicka's equations, it immediately occurred to him that it looked very much like division, and then the droplet protocell theory emerged quickly. Zwicka, Ulisher, and their collaborators developed their theory over the next three years, extending Aparin's vision. If you think about the droplets like Aparin did, it's not clear how evolution could act on them, Zwicka says. In evolution, you make copies of yourself with slight modifications, and then natural selection decides how things get more complex. Last spring, Ulisher began meeting with Dora Tang, head of another Max Planck biology lab, to discuss plans to try to see active droplet division in action. Tang's lab synthesizes artificial cells made of polymers, lipids, and proteins that resemble biochemical molecules. She and her team will look for dividing droplets made of polymers that are physically similar to the proteins in pea granules and centrosomes. The next step is to try to observe centrosomes or other biological droplets dividing and determine if they use the mechanisms Vika identified. When David Deemer, the UC Santa Cruz biochemist, read the new paper, he recalled observing something like the predicted behavior in hydrocarbon droplets he'd extracted from a meteorite in the 1980s. When he illuminated the droplets in near-ultraviolet light, they began moving and dividing. But Deemer isn't convinced of the effect's significance. He says there's no obvious way for the mechanism of division the Dresden team found to evolve into the complex process living cells actually use to divide. Other researchers disagree, including Tang. She says that once droplets started to divide, they easily could have gained the ability to transfer genetic information by divvying up batches of protein-coding RNA or DNA into equal parcels for their daughter cells. If this genetic material coded for useful proteins that increase the rate of droplet division, natural selection would favor the behavior. Protocells fueled by sunlight and the law of increasing entropy would gradually have grown more complex. Ulisha argues that somewhere along the way, protocell droplets could have acquired membranes. Droplets naturally collect crusts of lipids that prefer to lie at the interface between the droplets and the surrounding liquid. Somehow, genes might have started coding for these membranes as a kind of protection. Deemer, a big proponent of the membrane-first hypothesis, says he could go along with the idea. He stresses that he would define protocells as the first droplets that had membranes. The primordial plotline hinges on the outcome of future experiments. They'll determine how robust and relevant the predicted droplet division mechanism really is. Can chemicals be found with the right A and B states to bear out the theory? If so, then a possible path from non-life to life could come into focus. The luckiest part of the whole process, in Ulisher's opinion, was not that droplets turned into cells, but that the first droplet formed to begin with. Droplets require a lot of chemical material to spontaneously arise. It's unclear how so many of the right complex macromolecules could have accumulated in the primordial soup to make it happen. But then again, Ulisher said, there was a lot of soup and it was stewing for eons. For more on this story, read Natalie Wolchover's full article, Dividing Droplets Could Explain Life's Origin, on our website. I'm Karen Shikurji. For news, interviews, graphics, and more, visit quantamagazine.org.